the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, and it is Monday, June the 6th, one day before Election Day here in California, primary Election Day. Did you vote yet? Have you actually taken the time? I have my ballot. It's ready to go, but I like to, personally, I like to vote on Election Day. But now we have this opportunity to mail them in. You had them for a few weeks. You could have voted already. People are wondering what's up because only 15% of you have voted so far. Uh, if you're planning to vote or if you voted, what is your number one issue? Give me a call and let me know what drives you to the polls. If you're going to the polls, I don't mean your car or the bus, you know, what is, what's motivating you? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. That's the number, 888-528-2557. You can remember it, it's 888-LA-TALKS. You can also send me an email, SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. All right, 15, 15%. It is on pace maybe to be a record low. For California, after we've had actually some some record highs, but I think when you're sitting around at home and they mail you your ballot and you can just mail it back, maybe that's why the last couple of elections, 2020, 2022, or 2021, I should say, the recall election uh, did better. Here are the numbers for California. Almost 22 million ballots have been mailed out. Only a little over three have been returned, not returned 18 and a half million or thereabouts. Um in California, if you kind of want to know what the breakdown is, there are 10 million of those 22 million, a little over 10 million are Democrats, about six and a half million are independents, and a little over five million are Republicans. So not very many Republicans, really twice as many, almost twice as many Democrats in the state as uh, Republicans, but there are more independents than Republicans who tend to lean you know, Republicans tend to lean to the right, but they can go uh, any direction. About 17% of uh, Democrats have returned their ballot, almost 17 million. 667,000 independents and 837,000 Republicans. So if you put all that together, uh, the Democratic votes so far turned in are slightly ahead of Republican votes. It's interesting. People are wondering because it's such a small amount. It means a couple of things. It means that if it's a a low voter turnout, it means that when you vote, your vote actually counts for a whole lot more. It's weighed more. I mean, it's one vote, right? But, you know, when, when most of the people don't vote, that means the people who do vote actually are the ones who are making the decisions. And this is a big problem. This is a, a significant problem. If you're frustrated with how things are in our state, it's a lot more on the ballot than just individuals for different roles. There are subjects on the ballot. Homelessness is on the ballot. Education is on the ballot. The budget is on the ballot. All kinds of ways that we do business in California, they're all on the ballot. And behind it is philosophy. And uh, that's what I'd like to know is what is your number one issue that would drive you to the polls that really makes you want to vote? I hope that you're not discouraged. I want to encourage you to get out there and 
um, vote with a low turnout, what that does is it potentially means a very interesting election night. So if the numbers are low, Republicans or people on the right tend to vote on election day more than send it in. There's some movements out there, and I've mentioned it before, that says uh, don't mail your ballot in, don't drop it in the drop box, just take it in and vote. I get the sentiment. I don't really like the uh, looseness of the mail ballots, but uh, you got to vote, and you, you just have to get it. If you don't think you're going to make it or you think there's a chance you're not going to make it tomorrow to go vote in person, at least get your, your ballot in the mail. Seal it, sign it. You can stick it on your mailbox. The postal worker will very likely take it and uh, mail it. As long as it gets a postmark by uh, tomorrow, as long as it's turned in by tomorrow, they'll sort them out. Uh, it will be counted. You know, Cape, you can go online to the Secretary of State website and find out if your vote was counted. Make sure that you do that. I think it's really, really important, especially because of the other issues that are on the ballot. Here's some things that are – here's the candidates who are on the ballot, okay? Uh, Governor Newsom is up for re-election. Of course, this will be his third election, if you count the recall. And uh, he's expected to win, although uh, the, you know there's a couple of uh, interesting features uh, about it. I don't know that there's any of the other candidates, uh, Republican candidates, are going to win when you have two-to-one uh, voter margin in the state. It's very difficult for the other party to win. However, there is a former Democrat uh, turned independent. Uh, Michael Schellenberger is his name, I believe, and uh, he's an interesting, an interesting guy. You could actually see him winning. He's probably still a Democrat. It's interesting to think about that, right, where uh, he is somebody who has been a Democrat, and now he's running it as an independent. Michael Schellenberger is his name, and there was a write-up in the Wall Street Journal about him. Uh, he describes himself very differently. He describes himself in a interview with the Wall Street Journal as a bleeding heart liberal when it comes to caring for the vulnerable, a libertarian when it comes to being passionate about freedom, and a conservative when it comes to taking care of our civilization. And uh, I don't know what any of that means. Um, but one of the things that he is is he's trying to pull back some of the far left stuff in our state. Uh, he will acknowledge that homelessness, he says, is the biggest crisis facing our state. And two-thirds of voters believe that Governor Newsom is doing a poor job handling it, although it's not just Governor Newsom. It has to do with our our city governments and uh, the philosophy of how we're dealing with homeless people. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, There are many things that are interesting uh, about him. Um, He is not a climate alarmist. He certainly believes in climate change, but he doesn't believe that the earth is going to be destroyed in uh, 10 years or 12 years or 20 years or five years or whichever prediction you're, you're listening to, you know, could that guy win if he, if he does pretty well tomorrow, um, it could be him against governor Newsom. And if that's the case, then, uh, or if he's on the ballot and Republicans and independents go for him, he could actually win. Uh, some people are suggesting that Th- those things become likely if there's not very many people running. Uh, those things tend to happen a little more often. I don't mean not too many people running. I mean, if not too many people are voting. So get out there and uh, vote, figure it out. What's your number one issue? And realize that uh, there's some things that are discouraging. There, there really are about California voting, and I get it. Okay, so Governor Newsom is up. Um, Lieutenant Governor, Treasurer, Attorney General, Secretary of State, statewide offices are up. Uh, state Assembly and uh, the even-numbered State Senate districts are on the ballots. The State Assembly is every two years, and the State Senate is every four years. So uh, every other year, you elect your State Assembly. 
Um, there are two primary votes for U.S. Senate. Both are uh, for the seat being held by Senator uh, Alex Padilla. Alex Padilla was appointed senator after Kamala Harris was became vice president. And so it's kind of weird on your ballots. You can vote twice for the same seat. So you vote whether or not to confirm his appointment, essentially, and he would finish out the rest of this term until January. And then you're voting for the candidate who would get the six-year term that would be voted for in November, and he's a candidate for both on there. Um, Los Angeles mayor is probably the largest other um, campaign in the state, maybe, except for attorney general, maybe, in San Francisco. Two people are expected to be uh, in a runoff, uh, U.S. Representative Karen Bass and uh, billionaire developer Rick Caruso. Rick Caruso uh, was a Republican until a couple of years ago, and now he's running as a Democrat. And people are saying, uh, you know, does that mean he's still a Democrat or still a Republican? And just, you know, what does that what does that mean? You know, I don't know that it means much anymore. I think uh, you, you have to really get into where that candidate is coming from on their philosophy. There are people you'd be surprised who might have a D or an R next to their name who agree on a lot of stuff. 888-528-2557 is the number. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. What is motivating your vote? Have you voted? What, you know, if you go in and you vote or you mail in your ballot, what did you get most excited about as far as your vote? Um, or do you do it just gritting your teeth? Uh, I want to encourage you to vote. And I'm going to tell you, these are the reasons maybe people don't vote. Uh, here's, here's one of them. In California, according to 538.com, it's a political website, uh, gives a lot of insight into politics and statistics and things. There are only two competitive seats for Congress in California, just two. Uh, The map currently creates 43 Democratic-leaning seats and seven Republican-leaning seats and only two highly competitive seats. What that means is that most of the time, uh, those 43 Democratic seats are going to be still Democratic seats, and those seven are still going to be Republican seats, and that's it. Only two seats are competitive where maybe the Republican will win or maybe the Democrat will win, and that discourages people uh, quite a bit. California actually lost a congressional seat. Did you know that? We lost, for the first time ever, we lost a congressional seat because people are leaving the state. Our population is going down. And in the 2020, after the 2020 census, we have much fewer people, and uh, we lost a seat. That seat uh, would have been a Democratic seat, but um, basically the balance is the same. It's not just like that in the United States Congress. It's also like that in the State House, Sacramento. Currently, uh, 59 of 80 seats in the U.S. Assembly, or the California State Assembly, 59 out of 80, are Democrats. 31 out of 40 in the state Senate are Democrats. And most of those are very unlikely to change no matter how things turn out tomorrow. According to one study, we did have redistricting in California. Uh, What's also interesting about the redistricting, it was supposed to be done by, you know, these nonpartisan, you know, committees that get together. Uh, 538.com says that the independent commission that redistrict things in California is still moderately biased towards Democrats, according to whatever fairness metrics they use for that. And uh, that's a liberal site. The people running that site, 538, tend to be on the liberal side of things. So when they say that, and it's probably right, you know, that they're, uh, they're not pushing, uh, you know, they're pushing against their own agenda, their own personal agenda on that. To me, that kind of matters a little bit. 
you know, I try to figure out where people are coming from and then what are they saying and is, are they just pushing their own side or if they go against their own side, well, then maybe what they're saying is uh, accurate. You never know. Those are things, though, that are, I think, discouraging. It's discouraging that no matter how we vote in California, it's unlikely that the balance of power is going to shift in Sacramento or in the people that we send to Washington, maybe one or two seats. Now, being that there's very few people voting, that could change things quite a bit. It could be a surprise. But the thing to keep in mind, and here's something about primary elections. Maybe you just don't vote in the primary. Maybe it's kind of boring. You know that there's, you're just picking uh, you know, the Republican or the Democratic candidate. Here's the thing. Tomorrow, because most of these seats are not going to be competitive in November, the person you vote for tomorrow, that's the winner of the election, theoretically. Like they're, they're not officially the winner. But because November is not competitive in most of those seats, the person that you vote for tomorrow, the person that you vote for in the primary, the person who is in the non-competitive seat, whichever party is going to win, that person is going to be the winner. Does that make sense to you? So this is why primaries are so important, and many people decide they don't want to vote in the primary. Many people feel like, ah, I don't want to vote in the primary. I'll just vote in November. My friends, you've got to vote because the winners tomorrow in most cases, are going to be the winners in November uh, for whichever party is holding a seat that is overwhelmingly one side or the other, which is most. And you know what? Sometimes in your own party, you do get a choice. You get a choice from somebody who is pretty extreme on the issues to somebody who is maybe more moderate on the issues. And this is where we get to things like homelessness being on the ballot. All right, homelessness in California, it is a a major crisis. It is something that is getting worse and getting worse and getting worse. And what's happening is the people in Sacramento who are making decisions and people in our cities who are making decisions, philosophically, they they are driven by a philosophy that is driving those decisions, and they're making bad decisions. They're making decisions that do not work. For For example... Uh, California is getting ready to create legal drug injection sites all across the state, all right? California, just last week, uh, the state house is voting to create sites in our cities where people can legally use drugs under supervision designed to save them from dying if they overdose. And uh, that's what's happening. The full assembly is now considering all of this. And they're going to have test programs in Los Angeles, Oakland, and San Francisco. Um, And the proposal has already passed the Senate. So this is likely to happen. See what I mean by the the philosophy? The philosophy here is not a philosophy of recovery. Okay, the philosophy is harm reduction. And if you really get into studying it, this is why I think you, you need to be aware of the issues. Harm reduction is the idea that says we're going to hand out the needles and we're going to provide safe space for people to use drugs, even if they're illegal. We're going to let people go so far as to overdose. We're just going to have you know a nurse standing by in these areas, you know, stick them with a needle that'll keep them from dying, and they can go outside the gates and die later. I guess is what we're going to do. Uh, these things aren't working, and study after study after study now is saying they don't work. There is a John Lovell who is testifying for the California Narcotic Officers Association says that there's a magnet effect so that people come into the area because of these things. So what California is doing 
is bringing homeless people from around the country. California now has 50% of all homeless people in the United States. Not because the housing is so expensive here. That's what people say. They say, oh, these people are homeless because housing is so high. No, in San Francisco, that has a ridiculous homeless problem. 7% of those people are from the Bay Area. The rest of them are outsiders who are coming to San Francisco because they get paid and they get the opportunity to take as much drugs as they want without the threat of being arrested or going to jail or having problems. And this is not working. What I'm getting at here is that when you vote for the primary, you're voting, you're, you can only vote, you can go in and you can take a Democratic ballot if you're an independent or a Democrat and vote on that side. If you're Republican, you just vote for the Republicans. But on either side, you can vote for people who are running who might be against what the assembly is doing now, against what the state House, state Senate is doing now, who are in your same party. See, what I'm saying is that when you're, if you're saying to yourself, well, my party is going to win anyway, do you realize, but I don't really like what my party is doing, say, on homelessness. Do you realize that there are probably people running for your party's seat who are going to win anyway, who aren't, who are going to agree with you on not having these programs, all right? What we're proposing, according to uh, Michael Schellenberger, who wrote, who's running for governor, who wrote a book called uh, San Francisco, Why Progressive Ruins, Progressive Ruin Cities, uh, and he's a Democrat, he's turned independent. What he is saying is something very simple. What they're proposing is addiction maintenance. We're going to keep people addicted. We're just going to try to keep them from dying or from getting other diseases. He says, I think we need to embrace addiction recovery. Well, I would agree with that. Addiction recovery is what you're going to see happen at the uh, the gospel mission, and the, the addiction recovery is what you see happening that tends to work. But addiction maintenance, it just doesn't work. Even former Governor Jerry Brown uh, was not in favor of this. He said, fundamentally, I do not believe that enabling illegal drug use in government-sponsored injection centers with no corresponding requirement that the user undergo treatment will reduce drug addiction. And Jerry Brown would know. I think Jerry Brown is a good person to listen to about drug abuse. Not saying why. I just have a hunch about this. He had a great opinion. He does, he's not really for the legalization of marijuana because he has some experience with this. You've got to listen to some people, right? See, what I'm, I'm trying to get here is that you're in the primary. You vote for the person who is going to represent your party or your persuasion, and there's a choice. But once the primary is over... Now you're stuck with whatever person R or D, you know, is is next to the name, and uh, you either have to vote for that person or vote for the other party. Which, by the way, there's nothing wrong with. All right, uh, here's how the statistic is breaking down: in the city of San Francisco, with city-funded what's called the Tenderloin Center, forty-nine thousand people came there to do illegal drugs last year, according to the San Francisco Chronicle. Forty-nine thousand visits to this one city-funded uh, Tenderloin Center, 53 of 49,000 were given referrals to drug treatment. That's it. Only 53 of those people were interested in getting clean, were interested in dropping their addiction. 53 out of 49,000. That's a 0.1% success. Okay? That's terrible. That's about one in a 1,000. It doesn't work. And the LA Times reported last week also that the homeless people are just not interested in treatment plans. A uh, program in Los Angeles designed to keep mentally ill, addicted, or homeless adults out of jail and instead provide positive 
provide treatment and housing is having little success, according to statistics provided by police officials. And here's the problem. The homeless people aren't interested in it. Nearly three-quarters of the 283 people, this is in the L.A. Times, nearly three-quarters of the 283 people deemed eligible for the Alternatives to Incarceration Diversion Program, that's what it's called, AIDP, Alternatives to Incarceration Diversion Program, since it launched in the Los Angeles Police Department's 77th Street Jail last summer, uh, declined to participate in it. The LAPD figures show dozens of others have failed to comply with the program's requirement. Only 17 people completed the program, 17 of the 283. It doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. And part of it, and it goes bigger than that. It isn't just that they're not interested. It's, it's, a, it's a piece of this that comes together. So the LAPD Deputy Chief Chris Pitcher, who oversees uh, the diversion programs, and this is not a bad idea, right? We're trying not to put everybody in jail all the time. You know, we're trying to find other options than just putting people in, in prison. I think that's good. And he said, although the program has had even if some successes, he said, he believes that it's hampered by another issue. The policies put in place by court officials and Los Angeles District Attorney George Gascon, who won't prosecute. So if you don't really have a threat of being prosecuted, you don't really have a threat of going to jail. You're given a place to do your drugs for free and maintain your addiction. Um, why are you going to choose not to do that when there's really no consequence other than your own death, uh, which you're risking in the first place by doing what you're doing? My friends, the primary election is where we can deal with a lot of these things because it gives you a chance to pick better candidates. You can pick better Democrats. You can pick better Republicans. You can pick better people to put on the ballot in November, and maybe that will change the way things are. My friends, please vote. Please vote in the primary election. It's tomorrow. you got to vote by tomorrow. you got to mail your ballot by tomorrow, or you got to take it in. I just take your ballot into the polling place near your house and go vote. Do it. Look up the candidates. You do not have to vote for the popular person. Vote for the person who's going to actually be compassionate. I'll tell you what. 0.1% people say, oh, we want to be compassionate. To be, It's decidedly not compassionate to allow people to kill themselves with drugs. It just is. You're listening to Southern California Live. You can join the conversation, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. This is your Monday edition of SoCal Live. We'll continue talking about the election as soon as we get back. Don't go away. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, very happy to be with you on this fine Monday, June 6th. It is the day before California's primary. I want to encourage you to vote, and uh, I'm interested in what drives you to vote. Maybe you're just having trouble with, with things. I want to encourage you to vote. What is driving you? If you've already voted, what is the thing that you think is the most important thing on the ballot? I don't mean person. I mean issue that's on the ballot if you read between the lines. What really is there? 888-528-2557. You know, one of the, the upsides of, of political parties would be that if you don't know who to vote for, you kind of generally, you kind of sort of generally know what you're going to get with Republican or with a Democrat. Uh, I guess that would be an upside. But these days, it, those lines get blurred in uh, very interesting ways. And 
you know, when we are a people who most people say things are not going in the right direction, gas prices, baby formula missing from the shelves, there's other things missing from the shelves. Uh, if you tried to buy grape jelly, hard to buy that right now. And I know that because I have a 13-year-old boy who single-handedly, I keep, think, keeps the peanut butter and jelly people open. And, uh, you know, there's, there's things like that. Jelly, of course, not nearly as important as the baby formula. Uh, how many of those things are really in the purview of the politicians or not? You know, I think there's a questionable thing but to that. However, there are many things. I want to encourage you. The L.A. Times has done a story today. Early turnout in California's primary election is dismal so far, and it has been. Now, maybe it's just going to be huge. Maybe tomorrow everybody's going to come out and vote. Uh, I hope so. Uh, people need to be involved. But I think people are losing the their perspective on it. There were several people interviewed by the L.A. Times, and uh, this was uh, one of them. Go ahead and uh, play uh, let's do clip number one and, uh, go ahead and play clip one. I, I, I think voting is a good thing because I remember a long time ago, we couldn't vote, you know, we couldn't vote. So I think voting is a good thing. People get mad about the voting because they say, oh, well, if you don't vote, you don't decide anything. If you don't vote, voting is a privilege for people. And that's what's come, you know. That was Elgar Brunson who was interviewed, and he's right. Uh, it's a privilege for people. He's African-American. He points out that he didn't used to get a vote because he was African-American, and it is a privilege to be able to do that. So we should pay attention. But some voters are are not as positive. This is Rory Strong. Play clip two. Yes, I'm extremely tired of voting. Um, I find that the call to like vote harder that we all seem to get from the Democrats especially – um, in response to just the like absolutely existential crises that are facing our state, country, and planet, um, I find that to be extremely insulting. So his he's a younger person, probably I'm guessing twenties. Six percent, only six percent of people eighteen to twenty nine have turned in their ballots so far. Six percent. Maybe they're all going to show up tomorrow, but uh, younger people don't vote that often. You know the the. Old joke, when I was a lot more involved with politics, the old joke was if your candidate is counting on the young person vote to pull them over the top, they're going to lose. Uh, if that was the idea, that's still pretty much the idea. If you're, if you're saying, you know what, I'm, I'm popular with the younger people, though, I'm going to win. Uh, no, you're not, because they're going to wake up Wednesday and go, dude, that was yesterday? Oh, man, every year. And they don't get out and vote. Or they're not registered in, in your district. When I was in college, a professor at my school was running for office, and he had it in his head that he was going to win. And uh, he had me in his office to uh, – he wanted my endorsement because of the things I was doing. And he was telling me that he's going to win because there's so many students there at the school that they're all going to vote for him because he's a representative of the school. And I said, well, that's not going to happen. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, well, first of all, half the people in this school, probably two-thirds, are not in your party he was a Republican running. And I said, uh, and of the third who are Republicans, 90% of them are registered wherever back home is. And it's not in your district at least. So now you're down to 10% of the student body. I said, out of the 10% of the student body, eight out of 10 are not going to vote at all. And out of the now only 2% of the student body who might vote, uh, altogether, um, most of them aren't voting for you. So you should not count on the students. You know, people have this weird attitude about it. Uh, he got very upset with me for that. 
he, he pointed at me and shouted and uh, apparently was known in the department for cursing my name. You know, it's, it's legendary at that school. You know, furrow, furrow. He would just chant my name up and down the hall because he lost. Um, but it really wasn't my fault. I was just trying to point out you, you cannot count just on one group of people. And uh, now younger people, it would be great if you prove me wrong. Get out there and vote. Uh, make your name known. Make your vote known. Uh, but this person that we just heard from, you know, he's obviously discouraged, you know, and he's discouraged, I think, by the the constant the world's going to explode if you vote for my appoint, uh, my opponent narrative. Right. Both parties do it. It's real heavy on the Democratic side this time. Maybe I'm just hearing that more because we're in a very Democratic state. Um, but it's if you vote for my other the, my opponent, uh, democracy is going to die. If you vote for my opponent, you're going to destroy the planet because we only have. 10 minutes after November 8th, or we're all going to be underwater because of climate change. Um, we're going to have the aliens bombing us. We're going to have, you know, all, whatever it is. And I would think that if you're his age, if you're like 25, aren't you tired of the doomsday stuff? It never happens. Um, it isn't that it can't happen, but you've grown up your whole life with fear that you're hearing from politicians that never comes to fruition. You're probably cynical. I get it. But not voting is not going to help. Go find a better politician and vote for that person. And even if you think that person doesn't have a chance to win, a lot of people do that, right? Do you do that? Do you just say, well, the person I really want has no chance to win. They're not really the party candidate. They're you know, independent. They're third party, you know, and uh, so you don't vote for them. You, we have to stop that. Vote. It's your vote, not their vote. Uh, nobody running for governor owns your vote. It's your vote. There's, what, 30 people on there? Find the person you think would make the best governor and vote for that person. You don't have to just vote for whoever you think. Now, there's a whole other philosophy that says, well, you know, um, I got to vote for the lesser of two evils. You know what? Do that in November if you have to do that. But in the primary, this is when you get to choose the candidate. You see what I'm saying here is that the primary election is when you choose who gets to be on the ballot in November. And if we paid a lot more attention to primaries, imagine if 70% instead of 30% come out to vote in a primary election. Our state would change. The philosophies would change. The things going out there would, you know, the things that we're talking about, I think that we would, we would see change or we would see hope and progress because people got involved and they said, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this homeless philosophy that doesn't work but the people I keep voting for keep putting it in there. I'm going to vote for different people. So in the primary, if you're just opposed to voting for the other party, which you shouldn't be, in my opinion, but if you are, you get to vote for your own party. Just vote for a different person and do it. You, this is an opportunity where if you get out and vote where you see so few people doing, your vote has a lot more weight. Look at the school boards. Are you worried about the school boards um, bringing in dudes in drag to uh, your third grade class to do uh, whatever that reading program is? Your school boards need to hear from you. Go to those meetings, but vote. Vote for people who aren't in support of that. Go to their website. Everybody's got a Facebook page or something. It's really simple to do today. Everybody running has got some place where you can connect with them. What do you say about this? Do we want pornography or this teaching in our grade school classes? or high school, or wherever. Ask that question. Don't vote for that person if they want that. You can do it. Can I encourage you some more? Here's uh, clip three. This is Joe and his reasons why you should go vote. We have clip number three. 
We'll come back to Joe. You can. Uh, this is Southern California think, Live. Oh, there he goes. Go ahead, Joe. I think we should all take advantage of you know that if we're registered to vote, let's do it. Let's do our part, and it's important. If you have kids, I think you should think about them as well. I mean, our vote will determine their future as well. So, I think voting it is important and something that we shouldn't take lightly. There's a young person also, same age as the last guy, who's a lot more positive about voting. See, it isn't all the young people aren't interested in it. He's a lot more positive about getting out there. And he points out that it's about your kids. Do you worry? That's that's my motivation. Right now, I felt that change in me, that my motivation is I got to vote to protect my kids. I got to vote to protect the kids of other people I know because of the crazy stuff that we're seeing in schools and our government and stuff that doesn't work. You know, it scares me to death, the idea that we're not about recovery with people who are on drugs. That maybe my child who can make his own decisions at 12 without letting me know what he's going through medically, legally in California, 12, 12 years old, seventh grade, that maybe what if he had a drug problem? I don't know about it. And what if the school or the state or wherever he's going is encouraging him with clean needles or encouraging him to do whatever it is? It's illegal, sure, but we don't want recovery and we don't want to put people in jail and we don't want to deal with the problem. We certainly don't want to tell people that they're doing something morally wrong because as soon as you bring that up, then there must be a God. You know, you have to justify what, why is somebody right about morals? Well, the only answer is there's, there would have to be God and we don't want to have that conversation. See what I'm saying? Can I encourage you again? to get out there and vote. And if you're not encouraged, if you are bothered, if you're discouraged, if you feel like it's not fair, you know what? Vote anyway. Vote for people who are going to make it more fair. Do not give up. Do not give up on our state. Uh, There are probably people on there who you can actually vote for who I think really want to do a good job. People to actually go vote for. I'll give you somebody to vote for Uh, maybe right after the break, who's actually endorsed by most of the newspapers up and down the state, running for a position that you probably don't even understand what it does. I hardly understand what it does, but it's incredibly important. And not everybody running is lesser of two evils kind of candidate. There are good people who run. They need us to be involved and to vote for them. 888-528-2557 is the number. This is Southern California Live. Join the conversation, 888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today on this fine Monday Beautiful day, Southern California, all up and down the coast. Great to be with you today as we are each and every weekday, 3 to 5, right here on 99.5 FM KKLA in Los Angeles and surrounding counties and cities. We're also on KPRZ in San Diego, 1210 AM, 106.1 FM if you're in North County. And we're talking about the election and why you should vote. I understand there's a lot of reasons that people are discouraged. You might be discouraged, and it looks like people are discouraged. They're not voting. 15% so far of Californians have returned their ballot. Right now, people are saying less than 30%. That could make for an interesting election night tomorrow if that's the way it is because everybody's vote is weighed a lot more. Maybe uh, there'll be some surprises. You never know. 
What I'm encouraging you to do is to pay attention, especially to the primary election. 83% of Congress people who win their primary, uh, who are already in Congress, 83% are going to be reelected in November, meaning or elected for the first time in November if that is their district. What I'm trying to say is of the people who win their primary, most of those seats are not competitive. So whoever wins the primary is going to win the election. Uh, in either the Republican or Democratic uh, district that they happen to be in. There's not a lot of competition, see. And if you're frustrated with how things are going, LA Times reports uh, one person, she said, I'm one of those people who talk like, oh, I want change, but then I don't always vote. And sometimes it's just so hard to know what to believe. She's a 40-year-old Democrat from Fullerton who voted for Donald Trump and then for President Biden and has voted for Gavin Newsom, and she isn't happy with any of them. But, you know, I, I get it, but she's, they're not the only ones on the ballot. There are other people, and the primary is where you get to vote for them. There's one person who has been getting the uh, nod from newspapers, and, you know, I don't really listen a lot to newspapers as far as what their uh, endorsements are, especially in California. You know, do endorsements matter? I'd love to know that from you. Do you care about a newspaper that endorses you, eight, you know, or a candidate? Does it matter? A lot of people are making a lot of hay about whether the candidates endorsed by Donald Trump win or lose. And it seems to be going both ways. It just, you know, is there, and is that because in some places it matters more than others, or is it because nobody actually cares, so everything's just a coincidence? Do endorsements matter? Candidates always do that, endorsed by such and such. So maybe you'll look at that. Uh, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557, if you want to join the conversation. You know who Lan He Chen is? Lan He Chen is running for state controller. Christian guy. Uh, he's a Republican who even got the endorsement of the very liberal editorial board at the LA Times, who even has to go through their endorsement, sort of trying to explain why they would even consider endorsing a Republican. And part of it is because undeniably, he's a very good candidate for the job. This is one of the other problems that we're facing, right, is that a lot of people running they might be running because they've got name recognition or they have money or they've been around a long time, but doesn't necessarily mean they're the right person. But some people who are running have very good qualifications. Uh, Lan He Chen, he's somebody I think you should look at, Republican or Democrat. I think he's somebody that even the LA Times of all groups believes you should vote for them. And he's favored maybe to actually win. He could be the first Republican to win a statewide election. And part of it is because what the controller does is the controller is the watchdog for the state fiscally. And when every single thing in the state is controlled by one party, which it is in California, that means that currently the watchdogs are also part of the same party. So who are they watching? It's not a bad idea to elect somebody from the other party if one party is significant control. That's one of the points that they make in uh, the Times, but but also he's got a pretty good record. Um, he is um, probably going to win the, re- the Republican nomination. He will probably get enough to be on the ballot to run next time. Look him up. He is 43 years old, son of Taiwanese immigrants, grew up in San Gabriel Valley right here, earned degrees at Harvard, got into politics um, a few years ago and has worked on uh, different campaigns. He worked on the Mitt Romney campaign, but also President Obama named him to a bipartisan Social Security Advisory Board. So he's somebody who has worked hard to make a difference. 
you know, and you find people like this who are running, who are on the ballot, who maybe you've never heard of, but are really good people or appear to be, who have the education, who have the right kind of experience. You know, people go to Congress today and they used to hire policy advisors. You go, to, you don't know everything about every subject. So you go to Congress and they put you on the Foreign Services Committee and you've never even taken a foreign language or left the country yourself. You just end up on that committee. You go and you used to hire advisors to help you understand what things are, to help you make the laws and, and make sure they make sense. Now what you do is you go out and you hire celebrity consultants, people who are going to put you on the news stations, people who are going to put your name out there. And uh, you can, if you're a good politician, you can pretend to know what you're talking about without actually knowing what you're talking about. And that's a shame. But part of that is on us. We need to stop electing people who are just there by, by their celebrity because we've heard their names. And I don't mean just because they're an actor or somebody that maybe is famous, but you know, sometimes we vote for people just because we've seen their signs around town. I had a great discussion with people about this yesterday, about how we often don't know. And somebody said, oh, I'm voting for this person. And she actually said, we said, why are you voting for that person? And she said, well, I've seen their signs. That's it. They have, they have really well-placed political signs everywhere. Those signs, they work, my friends. You might think that's kind of a crazy thing, but they work. And that, that your candidate is spending tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars printing those signs and getting volunteers or even paid companies. There are paid companies who will go put them up. Ever wonder how they got up so high in certain places? Well, there's some company that will go out and do that. And uh, if you've got a good uh, college group, you know, the college Democrats or college Republicans out there who want to put them up, they'll put them up. I used to do that and uh, when I was in college. And uh, I'll confess that we put a lot of signs up, and I'll confess that we took some down from the other side. We used to do something called uh, political sign baseball. I'm confessing my sins to you, ladies and gentlemen, but I've repented from this. But you stand in the back of a pickup truck with a baseball bat and drive slowly along the side of the road and knock off your political opponent's signs. There was a guy, <laughs> he had, I'm not even making, I don't even know how he did this or how he invented it, but he had a, a, a pole and on the end of the pole was a ball and chain. And he could spin it around and knock signs off. So if the sign was up really high in somebody's tree or you're not really allowed to put them on telephone poles or stuff, but people do or they used to. He would swing that sucker around so you could knock those signs off of there. You know, and we'd spend, you know, the night as college students uh, doing this. One time somebody swung and missed and they broke the passenger side window in the truck. So that was an expensive uh, game of political sign baseball. Also illegal. So if you're thinking, hey, this might be fun to go do tonight, not legal. Um, and uh, so don't go out and do that. Like I said, you have to, you know, you confess something. The funniest part is that the next day, you know, the campaign... The other campaign calls your campaign office. Hey, what happened to our signs? We think you took them down. No, we didn't take them down. What do you mean? Meantime, they're out there taking your signs down. And it's, you know, there are shenanigans that go on like that. You're not allowed to put signs up, you know, I think 100 feet from a polling place. Um, So we used to park a car in front of the polling place with bumper stickers from our favorite candidates on the back of the car. And that's not really allowed either. But uh, if, if it looked like the person just lived in the neighborhood, you can't really do anything about it. You know, there, there are games, but the reason you play those games or the people do is because sometimes you go into the voting booth and you say, well, I'm comfortable with this name because I've seen it around town and you vote for them and you don't know anything about them. Actually, you have no idea, but they have a fancy sign, the right colors, the right, uh, the right person. We used to go on election Eve the night before and we would take down a bunch of our own signs and then put them up 
in line, starting with freeway exits, because we know a lot of people go vote after work, right? If you're, if you didn't mail in your ballot, if you're just going to go vote, you go. And back then everybody did that pretty much. You could get some absentee ballots, but hardly anybody did that. And so you would just set the signs up starting at the freeway exit and then in a line, just leading them right to their polling place. And I'm telling you, it works, but you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be doing that. My friends, Get out there and vote. If I can encourage you, if you are discouraged, you've got your ballot. It was mailed to you. Might be it's in a pile of papers in the kitchen. You haven't done it. Take some time tonight. Google the candidates. Go to their Facebook page. Sometimes you can ask them questions. You know, send a question in on on you know one of their chat lines or whatever that you have. You know, the issues are enormous that are on the ballot today, and it's the philosophy, the philosophy of homelessness, the philosophy of what we teach our kids. Uh, in particular, things that are very sexual in nature or gender issues, things like that. That's all on the ballot, um, and it matters. And in the primary election, you have a lot more choices. And in a primary election where so few people, it looks like, are going to vote, your vote's going to matter a lot. Imagine if you get up Wednesday and all of a sudden things are a lot different and the news is Californians surprise people and all of these seats that are uncontested, these seats that people think are a shoe-in to win are suddenly not. Now suddenly we have a race. Now suddenly we can make change. Because you go out and vote, all the things that you want to change, they can be changed in November. They really can. But when we don't, and Christians, can I talk to you Christians? We don't vote hardly at all. 40% maybe. It's probably 20% in the primary. You want to make a difference. You know, it isn't just the election. On Wednesday, we're going to say, okay, now what do you do? because we shouldn't be just about the elections, but this is the opportunity every couple of years to actually vote and make a difference, to vote in a way that is genuinely compassionate, not compassionate because somebody tells you it's compassion, because a lot of things we say are compassion, such as helping everybody have drug overdoses and not die and all of that instead of recovery. That's not compassionate. It's not compassionate if it doesn't work. It's not compassionate if it leads people into falsehood. Those things aren't, aren't true. Get out there and actually vote and uh, take the time to do it. You're listening to Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow, your host. We'll be back for hour two in just a minute. If you want the podcast of this program, go to kkla.com. You can find our show. Just go to the program guide. Look for Southern California Live and uh, click on that website. You can get the podcast. We put them up uh, shortly after the program. Also at kkla.com, if you're in the Los Angeles area, or if you are in San Diego, you go to kprz.com, your favorite radio stations. There's a lot of great content, great ways to connect with one another on there. And uh, I want to encourage you to do that. A great part of being radio family is that this is a way that we can connect with believers all across the state, a whole bunch of people. And, uh, and I encourage you to do that. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back for hour two in just a moment. Don't go away. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.